Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. Well, 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 what a weekend of football. We're recording this right off the back of Liverpool United. So we're, of course, going to talk about that game. We're also going to talk about Chelsea and Leeds. And, of course, Arsenal's incredible start, along with a ton of other bits as well. We also have three new faces on the pod. So very quickly, I'm going to go around. You've got to introduce yourself, a little line about what you're up to, what you do, and then a fun fact about yourself. Rupert, because I know you didn't want to do this. I'm going to start with you. <laughs> Please give us a little introduction. Okay, so I'm Rupert, Liverpool fan, um, full-time scientist, part-time Her Game 2 ambassador. Um, a little Ooh. fact about myself. I don't know, to be honest. I hate this. You've <laughs> probably like, thrown me under the bus. I can't think of anything. Right, I we'll don't know. Back. My hair we'll is like 30 you. inches long. Your hair is it what? Was 30, it was like 30 inches long. Wait. 30 inches? No, that's not... <laughs> no, babe, that's not... You did 30 centimetres. Just yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I'm going... That's, wait, hold no, on. No, no. 30 Bigger. inches? Yeah, yeah it was. It's, it's not, not quite... No. Subways? Yeah. That's how I measure stuff in subways. Uh, yeah, I'm gauging the size of it based on like <laughs> My yeah. head is gone. That is a great fun fact, mainly because I'm like, wait, what is happening here? Um, mm-hmm. Baines, please introduce yourself and give us a fun fact. You're obviously wearing your United shirt, but we'll get into that in a little bit. I'll be honest, I don't think my fun fact's going to beat that. Yeah, I no, I honestly <laughs> felt the same way. Like, the only fun fact I can think of, my dad's a Liverpool fan, I'm a United fan, I'm, and I'm buzzing right now. That's the only thing I can see. And I know we, it's not very fun. Your fun, your fun fact was, I'm buzzing right now. Listen, <laughs> that's what we have to say today, man. That's what we have to say. Uh, I'll, I'll let you off. Dan, I hope you're going to deliver a, a real fun fact, not your emotional state at the moment. 
What's going on? Uh, I'm Danielle, and no, it's definitely not as fun as having hair the length of five, six inch subs. Um, but my fun fact, I guess, is um, I I did the last bit of comms for slash interview for Meza Ozil before he left Arsenal. So uh, I wear that as a badge of honour. So I was the last guy to chat to the guy before he, he left us. I'll tell you what, I've watched that uh, bit of content. I think I believe it's on the Arsenal channel. If you haven't watched it, go and give it a watch. It's very, very good. There's some serious bromance. And I think you love, you truly loved Meza Ozil, right? Honestly, I still do to this day. I love him. If I ever saw him on road, he'd uh, he'd be in trouble. <laughs> All right, love it. Well, great intros all around. I still can't get my head around 30-inch hair, but we will discuss that another day. There's plenty of stuff to get into. United, Liverpool, Baines, I feel like you've been trying to keep yourself quiet on the pre-record so that you can get going as soon as we get going. So please, take the floor. What have you just witnessed? I don't know. I'll be honest, my voice is still going, but all I have to say, Eric Ten Hag. Going into the game, I'll be honest. I thought we were gonna, we were gonna get it, we were gonna get bad. I kept saying this like, how does Ten Hag get these players motivated? Because we've seen the same nonsense in terms of application from these players throughout the last 12, 24 months. And going into the game, he made big decisions. Ronaldo on the bench, I'll be honest, took me by surprise. I did not expect that to happen, especially with Alango coming. It weren't even Martial, and then Maguire on the bench. That one, I think we can kind of accept. We knew that was going to happen, but even the midfield. McTominay, Ericsson, Bruno. A lot of people have been saying Ericsson and Bruno can't play together. Ten are done it today. And this is what I keep saying about these plays. It's not about your talent. It's about the hard work, your application and these lot put in. Like, I feel like, don't get me wrong, I don't feel United were unbelievable today. But in terms of actual, we played off the crowd unbelievably well. This is the first time I can actually say these 11 plays walked off the pitch and every single one of them tried. They're 100% best. And then the next best thing about Eric Tenog, the subs. <laughs> listen, I know I'm going to get Gas Tenog up too much here, but listen. <laughs> after, we're recording literally half an hour after, yeah? The subs, 45 minutes came. A lot of people had said, even Ajax fans had said, Tenog normally waits too long for the subs. We brought Anthony Marshall straight away. 45th minute. And Alanga was having a decent game before that. Anthony Marshall, when he came on, I've been a massive critic of him. Did nothing wrong was flawless, the assist to uh, Rashford. That's like 1920 back again with Marcus Rashford and Anthony Marshall linking up. And I can't... Oh, my days, man. I, like This club is making me believe again sometimes, man. But I know I'm going to... No, be no, he said it. Nah, listen. Today, I'll be honest, I'm buzzing. I said it. My dad's a Liverpool fan. This game means everything to me. And I feel like the players finally showcase their abilities and I'm so proud of the team. It's... It's there's a lot of shock in that, but there's genuine excitement. So I'm just going to quickly go to the flip side. Roops, you're awfully quiet. You look very, very upset. What's going on on your side this time around? So I knew that it wasn't going to be like last season. We weren't going to go there and win five 0 Like I knew that, but I don't know what it was. I just before the game, even though I I was nervous, I thought, oh, we're going to do it, just because it's United. You know they've. They've been terrible lately. We've obviously been a little bit better, but clearly not good enough. Like, they just... I don't know what it is. I mean, they took risks. We took risks. Our risks did not pay off. Like, simple as that. We just didn't have a midfield at all. 
Um, it was just embarrassing to watch. Um, almost as embarrassing as watching Bruno Fernandez fall on the floor. Um, but like honestly, like I'm just lost for words. Like I don't know where the Liverpool we watched last season has gone. I don't know what's happened. It seems like there's conflict between players. Like Milner was screaming at Van Dijk. I don't know if that's just you know getting caught up in the game or just there's something going on. But like there's just no, there's not that chemistry that we saw last season. So I just don't know. I don't know what I'm witnessing. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> on, on one end, you've got Baines, who's like fully believing again. I feel like we're listening to a title yeah. contender. On the flip side, <laughs> we're, we're talking to a relegation battler. <laughs> My mood on going into... The, I thought we were going to lose 3-0. I said it, we're going to lose 3-0. But listen, football's a funny game sometimes, isn't it? And United turned up today. We played off the crowd and... I mean, whatever, like Cloud9, whatever that's saying, your Sky9, whatever. <laughs> My head's going de- right it's now. definitely wow. cloud nine. Sky <laughs> cloud nine. You lot, you lot know what I meant. I am yeah. buzzing. Sky nine works as well. Clouds are in the sky. Dan, you're somewhere in the middle of this, not being a Liverpool or United fan. I'm assuming you watched the game. Yes, yeah. So I, I got to, I got to Hoover. Uh, I got to chill out all day, knowing that I was going to watch a blockbuster game as a neutral. And I remember actually messaging in my friendship group. I said, "Listen, lads, I'm sitting at home alone. When Rashford scores." Let's pop off the group chat. Let's, uh, and I really had a good feeling about United for some reason. Uh, maybe it was uh, Liverpool's winless start. Maybe it was how they seemed to almost get bullied by Fulham uh, at times. That kind of made me think, OK, well, if United get off to a good start. And I think it was a perfect storm. The, the, the fans were up for it, of course. And then when the team sheets were released, I can't lie, that midfield three. When I was looking at that midfield three at Liverpool... I really felt like United would be looking at that and they would get motivation out of that. That If we go at these guys, we can overrun them and uh, and force them into mistakes. And um, that, that ended up happening. It was uh, unrecognisable. Obviously, Bainesy was saying earlier on that when they walked off the pitch, it was the first time he felt like everyone tried. This was as cohesive a performance by United as we've seen in God knows how long. So um, the Eric Ten Hag coin is uh, is back up right now. It's quite I, a sh- short going, Bates. I just want to add this here. Martinez. A lot of people criticised him last week, including a certain Liverpool pundit, Jamie Carragher. <laughs> and he kind of had to swallow a bit of pride and that praised Martinez because he was phenomenal today. Every single ball that came in, it really, I thought he'd done well gra- on the ground, phenomenal. Some of the blocks he's making at the, towards the end. I can't speak highly enough of him today. Like, he was brilliant. There's a lot of potential caveats to that point. Um, only to put a counter-argument in. I think this game completely suited him. I think Gary Neville and Carragher said that before the game, actually. Liverpool will play a lot on the deck. Sandra Martinez is technically very, very good. Uh, And there isn't an Ivan Toni or a a Mitrovic or Darwin Nunez uh, to potentially give him problems in the air. I think that probably is something to assess further down the line, but he's definitely proven that he can play in a game where United will be under the caution, under pressure, could have easily scored an own goal, so could have Bruno, which are Liverpool's two best chances. Um, Roops, back to you for a second. Mm-hmm. I was watching this game and I was thinking, so Liverpool are a mess defensively. Liverpool can't attack. So, so the, the blame only points in one direction, and that's that midfield three, which Klopp has once mm. again said, he probably isn't going to go into the market to buy someone, but there's no Naby, there's no Thiago, and when neither of them two play... Uh, Liverpool seem to have absolutely no control over any game. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I think that's where our issues lie. And until we get reinforcements in the midfield, I mean, we've been crying out for a few seasons to like reinforce that area. 
We just keep saying, oh, yeah, we'll do it next season, we'll do it next season. Now look at us, we're stuck already three games in. I mean, I'm writing off the season for us. I had a gut feeling before. No, genuinely, before the Community Shield, I was like, nah, I'm just tired. Like, you know, I thought it was just me. But now I'm seeing it on that pitch. Like, we beat City and I was like, right, this is it. We're going to win the league. You know, all the players look up for it and everything. And then Nunez goes and does what he does, gets sent off. We don't even have that to, you know, help us. And then we're just stuck in midfield. I mean, we played with Milner and Henderson last season. We did great. But this season, I just, I don't see us gelling as well. And I don't know what it is because we've got most of the same squad. So, I don't, I don't see what's going on, but there's something going on behind the scenes, surely. I mean, why did Pep Linders bring out a book now, giving away all our secrets? <laughs> for, for me, for me, it's the, the character of the team, which is so... When I normally think of a, a Liverpool team, I think of a team that doesn't really get rattled, that keeps calm in all situations and is very difficult to bully. Um, when you look back to last season, you guys were going for the quadruple yeah. at one point, and I wonder if it's... Um, not to be patronising towards Liverpool, but I wonder if it's the balloon bursting on that quadruple and everything kind of falling flat a bit that has bled over into this season where you guys have been going at breakneck speed for like close to three years. And is it now you guys have acted maybe one transfer window too late and now that you now you guys are paying for that, now that you guys are like have lost steam? Meanwhile, City are absolutely going for it. Chelsea, as you've seen, as always, are absolutely going for it. Arsenal have made reinforcement so how, how long can you rely on players that have done incredibly for these years um and when you're in the premier league if you don't reinforce then you're bound to get left behind i, w- I wouldn't write it off as soon as uh, as soon as you have but the title races that you and city have had have been so minute that a start like this only just leaves you thinking that it's pretty much done already yeah think- absolutely we can't afford to have a start like this at all with the way city are going we're just stuck now. Like I don't think we're in this two-horse race that there was for the last few seasons. That's over and done with now. Five, five points in, in a title race between City and Liverpool is like 20 points in a previous title race. It is, it's, <laughs> it's such a difficult distance to cover. Uh, I think we should also definitely mention United here again uh, because I think there's a lot of sorrow around Liverpool and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it many times before the window closes because I don't believe Liverpool are going to sign a midfielder um, I'm quite sure they won't, to be honest. Um, but in terms of United, in terms of what Ten Hag produced tonight, seven, eight, eight days after losing 4-0 to Brentford, Ten Hag's lit a fire at the backsides of so many players. Uh, but one man that he didn't light a fire at the backside of was Ronaldo, uh, who was on the bench. Now, it, it, the stats suggest United are better without Ronaldo, collectively. Baines, are United better without Ronaldo? You're a stat guy. Well, Ronaldo's also my goal. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Yeah. Stat, listen, stats lie, but goats don't. I love that. <laughs> I think the Ronaldo situation is an interesting one. I've always said this: if a player wants to leave the club, you just let him leave. Like, there's no mm. point holding a player hostage. But at the same time, I said this: like, say what you want about Cristiano Ronaldo, our only number nine currently is Anthony Martial, and people might think Anthony Martial is a brilliant player, but we're also fighting in the cha- uh, Europa League. Premier League, League Man, nearly said Champions League, you know, let's slow down. <laughs> well, we're going to need more than one striker. And are United really going to go into the market for another striker so far? The answer is probably no, which is why I've always said you keep Cristiano Ronaldo if he wants to be here. But at the same time, you can probably argue Anthony Martial might bring a bit more to a 10 team. He's a bit more of a striker that 10 used to in terms of that Halle mode. 
than Cristiano Ronaldo. But at the same time, Ten Hag's also said in preseason, for example, he has a plan for Cristiano Ronaldo. We still can't write to... Cristiano Ronaldo off. He got 18 goals last year. No, sure. I think it, I think it's ridiculous to consider Ronaldo done. Ronaldo will decide when he's done in football. That's for sure. No, no, no team or club is going to finish him. But you need to kind of ask yourself: at what cost uh, is it if Ronaldo wants to let's keep Ronaldo? The impact that he seems to have on the dressing room and the atmosphere was really telling. Because the second he was out of the team, it felt like there was no ego kind of letting players suffer. They were all collectively going towards something. And that takes me back to almost when we let Aubameyang go. Um, he was obviously our big goal scorer, but getting rid of him and getting him, him away from that environment allowed the younger players to come into their own. And they were all collectively working towards one thing rather than being influenced by the needs of a star goal scorer. So, I mean, you don't think it's plausible for Ronaldo to go and you guys get like a, a backup striker to, to Martial? Or, or do you genuinely don't trust Martial to be your number one striker? I think I've always said this, like, currently no club wants Cristiano Ronaldo. It's yeah, not like United are stopping a move for Cristiano Ronaldo, because currently no one's made an offer. Which is why I've always said it's a difficult situation for United, but I've always said this, if Cristiano Ronaldo does leave, United need to act in the market. Sure. Anthony Marshall, do I believe he can be our number nine? Currently, from the evidence that I've seen over the last two years, the answer is no. I think on his day, brilliant footballer, but as I've always said, injury record is a massive issue with Anthony Marshall. And consistency. I think he's got four or five league goals over the last two years. Can you really rely on Anthony Martial? Don't get me wrong, Ten Hag might get a better version of Anthony Martial, but how much faith can you really have? The question here, I don't think anyone questions Ronaldo's ability. Um, and this has actually brought two ends of the, the spectrum to mind. But we'll go with Ronaldo first. Ronaldo playing... The morale of the group, like Dan said, seems to be better when he's not around. So it, would you still mm. decide to keep him, even if it meant the morale of the team progressively gets worse? Then you could argue the only option is to terminate his contract. But the question I'm asking, I'm, ask, I'm asking you the question, if you were the gaffer, if you were at United, I know this is your goat against your current, your, your club, your love, mm. um, but... <laughs> Clearly, when he's around, maybe it maybe we're just getting sold a dream by by the facade that Ronaldo causes problems. I don't personally believe that for a second, but there is clearly a slight disconnect between Ronaldo, Ten Hag, the team, the morale, and all of that. So, do you sacrifice the team to keep Ronaldo for another year? No. I've always said this: Ten Hag is the manager now. We've had a massive problem at this club in terms of player power. If Ten Hag mm. thinks Ronaldo is a negative influence on the team, even though he might get, for example, his 18 egos, then you have to let him go. We, we're at that stage as a club where, as fans, we need to stop um, backing the players now. These players have let us down over timeless, uh, numerous occasions. And not just Ronaldo, just every single one of them. So if Tenog thinks, yeah, maybe he's not the best for, for the team, you let him go, simple as. So there's that end of the spectrum of morale. On the flip side, Roops, Sadio Mane's left and... All I've seen on Twitter this evening is forget midfield, forget injuries, forget everything. This is a Sadio Mane thing. You also mentioned that there's a, a weird like feeling around Liverpool all of a sudden that like, they were invincible and now they're not. There's mm -hmm. players falling out on the pitch, which we haven't seen before. I personally don't have a problem with it. As a football fan, I think it's completely normal. How big a miss do you think Mane is? 
I think he will be, but we can't just dwell on the fact that like he's gone. I mean, we need to move on as a club. Like as a, as a fan, we can like dwell on it a bit, but as a club, I think you know, I don't think that would be an issue. I mean, you know, these are footballers; they're obviously quite used to this. Um, yeah, calm down. The, he's not dead. I know he's not dead. But... <laughs> for those that <laughs> can't see, our producers just put in the chat here. All right, calm down, Rupert. He's not dead. <laughs> I mean. He's in gone. my heart, he is. So, yeah. But, like, no, like, as fans, we're allowed to... Obviously, we're going to think of Mane in situations like this. And he is a huge miss. We're going to see that. I said this when he left. Like, he's a huge loss. Um, but we've got to move on. We can't just keep thinking, oh, well, what if we kept him? We keep saying about Wijnaldum as well. Someone said, I'd take Wijnaldum with a broken leg. I mean, at this point, we're desperate. So I think we'd have to. But, you know, we can't just live in the past you know like we've been accused of many times before um i think it's time we you know move on and the players are obviously like fit to do that so i think we needed that sort of like feistiness on the on it the was pitch, soft it was honest. meek it was it was it... yeah it was just it was embarrassing that's all i can say like i've never seen us play like that that was probably van dyke's worst performance in the liverpool shirt and that's big coming from me you know i love the man it was, uh... so Social social media was alive with the tune of uh, making Van Dyke into a meme, and I can't lie, yeah. uh, as as invincible as that man is, it's beautiful to see. Uh, in the Premier League, anyone can get it. You know, one day you're the greatest centre back ever, the next day you're a meme, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it was a bad bad day at the office for Van Dyke, like a bad bad. Baines, like firstly, before I ask you this last question on this point, why are you smiling about Van Dyke? I don't, like... That's why I keep that. That's why I can't hold my laughter. Every time we're talking, Baines's face is just glowing. <laughs> like, no, it's unbelievable. No, it's, it. it's, a, it's a new day. I'm happy. Can I not smile? I, our producer's fuming. He's just put in the chat. Baines has the most. Well, like, I feel like I should agree. smile more just to annoy I agree. <laughs> I can see it in the corner of my eye, like constantly. Um. Baines, where does this leave United? Where does this leave Ten Hag? You've put you've put Ten Hag on a pedestal now. So if you turn around and say tenth is good, I'm going to be absolutely livid. Nah, I'll be honest. I, I don't know how much this changes with my thoughts going forward because I've always said this: consistency is massive for this team. Let's see what you lot do next week. Now, what you do the week after? Because I think we've got Southampton next. Let's see how the response is when. Let's be honest, I think that game's away. The crowd's not going to be there to mm. help you to the same level. You're not going to be playing on necessarily adrenaline like you did today. Let's see how you lot react. Let's see the team selection 10R goes with now. Do you keep it the same? Because it worked out very well in today's game. Or do you bring back someone like Ronaldo? Question marks. But I still think mine this season is still six. I think there's five better managers than 10R currently in the league. There's five better teams. 10R has been here the least amount of time compared to the other top six managers. But I've always said this, Europa League, that's a competition we have to target if we want to get back into the Champions League. All that gas was such a realistic response. I absolutely hated every second of that. <laughs> I was wait, I was literally getting... I was about to type, time code 22 minutes, clip this up for social. Instead, I got, I think six in the league is good for us this season. Oh, less six in the league. <laughs> I don't know. Rambo, I, I don't know if you noticed, he was about to give you what you wanted and then he took a deep breath and then logic came through. Yeah. I'll be honest, I think we win the Europa League and I've got faith in us. 
Wow. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's what I was after. Roops, you obviously, you obviously kind of said you're writing this season off. Um, mm-hmm. You don't think Liverpool are in this two-horse race. That kind of leaves me wondering who actually is in this title race because uh, if Liverpool are not in it, regardless of what I think of the other sides, I don't actually believe anyone can slip up uh, less than City. City might slip up twice and then after that, it's pretty much done. Um, where does this leave Liverpool? Where what what are the realistic expectations for the season? I mean, before I said third at a push, now I'm thinking fifth at a push. I don't know. I mean, I I'm literally, I know I'm like I'm overreacted. You know, I'm still fresh from the game and stuff, but I just I don't have high hopes. I mean, we played Fulham, and we. Like, we were just diabolical. And then it just got... We went back home to Palace. That's the perfect time to react. We didn't react. Not not in the way we needed to. And then mm. Old Trafford. It's like, we just can't keep doing this. Like, we needed this start. This would have been the perfect start for us as well. So, yeah, I'm just... It's, ask me next week if we lose or draw again. I'm just got a 10th at a push. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> perplexed. Liverpool play Bournemouth in the next game. I, it feels like a free hit. You're at home against a newly promoted Bournemouth. I think Liverpool's aggregate score against uh, Scott Parker's sides is like 26-2. So um, you, <laughs> if Liverpool do lose to Bournemouth next week, I will absolutely join you in saying third or fourth or fifth. Um, I still yeah. think Liverpool will come back strong. I think Liverpool desperately need a midfielder uh, because yeah. you can have the best defence in the world, you can have the best attack in the world. But um, I used to be a midfielder and without us guys, nothing is connected. Um, so mm-hmm. go get Granite Xhaka from Arsenal. If you're if you're a regular on the pod, <laughs> you know I love Granite Xhaka. Um, and that is where we are going to go next. We'll take a little breather because Baines might have to stop smiling a little bit because this is not going to be about United. <laughs> Roop's going to relax a little bit because it's not about Liverpool and Dan. I think the smiles are going to be on your end. And those Arsenal fans are enjoying every second of this. Jamie Redknapp, how impressive was that from the Gunners? Yeah, incredible. Dan has perked up in his seat, for those of you that cannot see him, because it is time to talk about the mighty Arsenal. Let's just go full on in here. Three wins out of three, defending well, scoring goals. Jesus has turned into prime CR7 or CR9, whatever number he was when he was tearing up through the middle at Real Madrid. Um... Arteta is glowing. What is going on at Arsenal? Have they have they had that little you know the the drinking space jam that uh, they give is it they give it to the aliens? <laughs> have they have, have they had some of that this season? You know you know what I think what I think it is. Obviously, when you follow the club closely, you would have known this from last season. But for those who have been watching the Amazon documentary, I think that gives you a lot of insight into what's been cooking at Arsenal. Even last season, a lot of fans from the outside might write off last season as a as an ultimate failure for Arsenal. But Arsenal fans more see it as a failure with an asterisk next to it. As in, mm. it's a failure considering what we could have got. But at the start of the season, we would have bitten your hand off for uh, that level of consistency, that level of performance. And now we've gone and upgraded. We've gone and upgraded in the most obvious place we needed to. And that was through the middle at number nine. Lacazette has been a brilliant servant for us. But he just didn't have the legs to lead the line for us anymore. And uh, when we signed Gabriel Jesus, um, I actually said to some of my friends, I was like, this is the player that's going to give us the feeling that Alexis Sanchez gave us when he signed for us. Mm. Where, and what I mean by that is when we're sitting in the stadium, I remember when I used to watch Alexis Sanchez at the Emirates, I used to say to people next to me, how did we get this guy to come and play for our club? And I think Gabriel Jesus is going to do just that. And he's been proving it. And, um, and that's it, man. We're young ballers. 
in London. We've got that Samba sauce. We've got Gabrielle's everywhere. And um, it's a great time to be a Guna. But, but with the asterisk there, it's three games in. The sun's shining. Our kits are looking peng. I don't want to get carried away. I just want to take it a game at a time. I hate this. My aim for this next little bit is to make sure Baines and Roops, I want Toxic you in on this. football tape. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this man gassed up because, I mean, Baines has just come off the back of United beating Liverpool and a man's talking like Eric Ten Hag deserves a statue. Roops has just lost to United and she's acting like Liverpool, this wonderful Liverpool side can't finish in the top four. And you've come in, sat right in the middle when you've got the best best seat in the house, top of the league. Um <laughs> Listen, I've, 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 seen, I've seen this all too much from us. I've seen this all too much from us, and that's why I've got a bit of context, but I'm loving the journey. Arteta's taking us on a journey. We're all on Super Mikel Arteta's rainbow carriage. I'm riding the wave. <laughs> Life's good, man. What can I say? Oh, um, I wish I was feeling like that right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a post-night out whatever version of a night out you prefer where you have that long chat on the way home and you've got one person mm-hmm. who's like, yo, that was so sick and the other person's like, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> polar, polar opposites. Uh, Bage, where do you sit with this? You were nodding when um, Dan was mentioning what Arteta's done, how this club is progressing, what we've seen over the last uh, year or so under Arteta. You, obviously, you're a United fan, so you can't be happy for Arsenal, but you must be happy for Dan. He looks very cheery right now. Nah, not really. But all I say is new <laughs> signings that fit this system perfectly. That, that's what Arteta and Arsenal have done. Gabriel Jesus fits Arsenal down to T. And the start he's made, because he's had the entire preseason to set a win. Oof. Incredible. And Zinchenko, I'll be honest, I think Zinchenko's one of the best left backs in the league. I think he's comfortably yeah, he's top of the best left backs. Like his technical yeah, ability is I... an absolute joke. Mm. And I think, I think for uh, players that have played 50 or more games, uh, he's got the highest win uh, percentage of all players yes. in the Premier League, uh, which is and obviously he does he doesn't play as regularly at City, but when he did, I never felt like of course he's not Cancelo, uh, but I never felt like he was uh, doing himself a disservice, and that's another reason I was so gassed when we got Mikel Arteta because one he was talking about culture and non-negotiables, but he is also getting first dibs on City's bargain bin, and I'm all here for it. I want all the leftovers from Pep's academy. I want all of it. I want all of it. Um, Roops, please. Producer's got a question for you, and I'm so I'm so keen to hear your answer on this. Yeah. So, how does it feel knowing Arsenal get whoever they want, and we're out here bargaining in Pamland? I mean, Ooh. I hate it. Like, that is just harsh. I mean, it's true though. I mean, even in in the transfer, I hate transfer windows just because it's not exciting as a Liverpool fan. It's too like sensible sometimes like sometimes I just want to go out there and just splash the cash and get like whoever we want not just like oh we're gonna wait we're gonna wait and then we get a player in like January or something like this is tough like watching but you've you've nailed it but you've but you've nailed it every time though where every time you've waited for the player you wanted you've gone out and spent money and you've yeah but I don't have patience I don't Fine. have patience. I don't want to go through that. I'm like writing Liverpool off right now, three games in, and you're there like, let's take it one game at a time. If we won one of these three games, right, I would have taken yeah. it one game at a time and be like, right, let's not write it off. But we've got two points. Like, sure. this is not Liverpool. This is not the Liverpool I've been spoilt watching the last few years. But this so. is the thing, right? You've very much so been spoilt, whereas Arsenal yeah. have not. 
and Arsenal yeah. had to suffer for a while, where, which has allowed you to have the patience, right? Like now you've got the patience with Arteta, you've got the patience with his ideas. I said when he first came in um, that after three games, I could already see what Arteta was building. If you remember, Arsenal were playing really good football, but he didn't have the profile of players to actually execute it. So every week, Arsenal Absolutely. would lose... 2-1 or draw 3-3 and people would be like, Arteta hasn't got a clue. It's more so because he had a left-back that wasn't technically gifted. He had a centre-back that couldn't play out from the back. Now he's got two centre-backs that can play out. He's got a left-back that is, in my opinion, probably the one of the techiest footballers in the Premier League, uh, which is hugely important in, in the modern era because he's not this bombing-on left-back that uh, most clubs have. Arsenal do have that in Kieran Tierney. But actually, the game is built from Zinchenko um, and he's almost impossible to stop because he's technically so clever his position off the ball is incredible. And then you've obviously got my boy in midfield, GX, the man who's running things. And I knew you'd appreciate him. He's the guy. Um, you must be, and I hate to ask this question because you've said three games in. And we've just said Liverpool are not in the title race. From You heard it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> ah, slow down, <laughs> slow down. We're saying United are not in the title race. Chelsea haven't had a great window and continue to really fail to make signs. They actually might be about to buy your dirty leftovers. No disrespect, Pierre Mekabaming. If you ever want to feature on a pod, you're more than welcome. Um, <laughs> they are ending up with a striker you didn't want. Are Arsenal title contenders? Arsenal are absolutely not title contenders. Um, and it's kind of. It, for me, it could shape up being that season. You know where United finished second under Oli and under Jose? Mm. It's it's kind of like, oh, we finished second, so we were in a title race, weren't we? And it was like, no, you were just the best of a shambles of people scrambling under kind of City's dominance. So I think it's going to be one of those seasons um, where Tottenham, Chelsea, um, I, I still think Liverpool are clear favorites for that second spot if not of push on the title challenge but the rest of us lot are going to be scrambling to try and not be than the rest of them and then whoever's the least rubbish out of all of it will secure that third and fourth place and the people that can't get their consistency together will miss out so no i don't think we're in a title race and it's not our title to win it would just be ludicrous for that our premier league our title our everything is trying to get back into that Champions League. That that, that That's the be-all and end-all. And of course, um, like Bainesy said as well, while Bainesy's backing his team to win the Europa League, for me, that has to be um, that has to be a big focus for us as well. Because not only is it... I would actually prefer, I can't lie, to win the Europa League and get into the Champions League than finish fourth. I'm not going to lie. Because not only do the young players get a trophy out of it, not only do they build a winning mentality, not only do they have to go through quarters and semis and win a final but then the reward at the end of that trophy is that they play Champions League football I, I would much uh, prefer that personally here's the thing right I'm going to ask you this question in approximately six games time because Arsenal play Fulham and Villa at home you'll win both of them two games you play United away which will be so tasty it'll be so tasty you play Everton at home you win that game you play Brentford away you, you, we could be at game week eight where Arsenal have dropped points maximum twice and that would put you in the top two because nobody's getting close if you only drop points twice. Then you play Spurs, Liverpool, Leeds, City. That's when it could get a little bit dirty. But um, listen, game well, weekend. You, you... you talking? You talking has given me flashbacks of when <laughs> uh, Rad, Ranić was coming in at United. Sorry, Baines, I'm not trying to get you to catch a straight. I know exactly here, what you're going Ranić, to. Ranić came in and the, uh, Mark Chapman was like, "I can't see United dropping points here." And it's like, <laughs> well, "How many points do you reckon they'll get in ten? And he goes. I reckon 30. 
Like, so uh, it, it's, it's one of those where it's easy to say on paper that we're going to, like, we're going to beat Fulham, we're going to beat Villa. But listen, man, for, for Arsenal anyway, and this was true last season as well, maybe a little less so this season, but for Arsenal, there is no guaranteed win in the Premier League. Like, not even, even when Norwich were about, I can't lie, even that wasn't a guaranteed win for us. So every point we earn, every win we get is, is hard earned. So for me, I'm, I'm not looking at the stretches I'm just looking. I can't lie. I have got my eye on United um, because that is going to be a tasty one. And I think that's going to be a that's almost going to be a, a strength test for two heavyweights to see yeah. which directions they're going to go in this season. If we can go there and strut our stuff against them, then I'm confident that we'll be able to keep them at arm's length. If they give us a bit of a cooking, then um, then I feel like we've got to, we've got to really be on it for the rest of them. the season. Pressure's in the process. Listen, all I can say is, inshallah, bro, I'm, 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 I'm coming there to win, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Baines, I've been reliably told by our producer, and he's in my ear right now, um, that you have a tweet out there that says, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and that crocodile sign, Arteta. Um, talk me through this one. Wait, wait, wait. Do I? You, you do. That is what we've been told here. You, I need you... evidence. I need evidence of that. I have the evidence on my phone. I won't be able to show you. Hold on. You, I don't think you'll be able to see it. Yeah, no, there's too much colour. Um, we we have that tweet. Why do you have that tweet? <laughs> when did I talk, that? Talk to me. Where, um, let's have a look. I really respected you before this. Hey, hey, listen. Either way, you tweeted it. If you tweeted it last week or three years ago, you tweeted at some point that you think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a better manager than Arteta. Talk us through this. Listen. Agendas have to agend. I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> at that time. If I did say that, I wholeheartedly apologise. But at the same time, what I probably meant by that tweet, and I'm not trying to blame myself, I think Oli is maybe a better man-manager at that time. And Arteta was a better coach during that time. And, and I listen, I was biased. No, don't, don't look at me like that. Wait, Oli, you have tweets. No, 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 Bainsy, you're asking for the impossible. You're saying don't look at us like that, but you're saying outrageous things, my brother. Like, but I said I, I guess... wholeheartedly apologise. If that well, was yeah. my tweet. And, and also, I love, how, uh, I love how Rambo said, we have got a clear image. And then your response was, <laughs> if I did say it. So I love that vibe. I love no, that vibe. Just make sure, because I'll be honest, you see me on Twitter sometimes, I'm shameless, isn't it? That's one thing everyone needs to know. <laughs> like... United could score and I'm saying United are going to win Wimbledon or something. I hate you. you. can't trust it's me. It's possible. Exactly. <laughs> right, well, uh, I'd like to clear up... The show's going to be have... dirty, by the way. <laughs> How do you have that tweet? I'd like to clear up. We don't actually have that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you had me thinking, nah, you see this? Nah, nah, nah. I love the fact you went to the length of trying to defend yourself for something uh, you didn't even say. Nah, <laughs> Honest, oh, I've always thought I said I think Arteta is a better coach in it, but I'm like, surely I haven't tweeted. <laughs> oh, Benzi. Allegations. You, you, nah, you <laughs> see the producers doing me dirty after me smiling, you know. <laughs> you, you, you've been baited. You've been absolutely baited. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, you're a stinker. Um, just very quickly as well, I've got to mention Leeds. We are going to talk about them at length in next week's episode, I think, because I, I firmly believe Leeds are going to have a hell of a season. I'm a big Jesse Marsh fan. Um, and actually, weirdly found out earlier that uh, me and him have the same agent, so I'm going to try and get Jesse Marsh on a pod. Uh, if that happens, that would be delightful, because I genuinely love the guy. 
Like, actually, Yo, now that, now that is a fun fact. There you go. I only found that out earlier. Um, Speak mine now. <laughs> no, this 30-inch hair thing, I, I just can't. I can't even imagine it. Like, I think my room's lengthy. Yeah, but it's but... from the root, like, you know, yeah. No, we still can't relate. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, no. <laughs> Maximum, like, three inches. That's it. <laughs> Never grows more than that. Uh, we'll also talk about Steven Gerrard, actually. In fact, Roops, whilst I've got you here, you're obviously a big Gerrard fan, you're a Liverpool fan. Uh, three Love wins him. in 15 for Steven Gerrard. He was meant to be the next man in after Klopp. He must be slightly concerned here. I don't think he is the next man in. I mean, I think Pep Linders takes over um, when he eventually goes, you know, one day. I mean, right now, I'm feeling very sour feelings towards that man. So, you know, I'm not going to say too much. But oh, look. <laughs> How dare he? <laughs> No, like, you know, his substitution, everything, all his decisions tonight were just like, yeah, but Gerald's not going to be the next man in. Like, absolutely not. Not on my watch. But um, I am I am concerned, but I haven't been watching him too closely, I'm not going to lie, just because I've, I've got bigger problems to worry about right now. <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of concern around Steven Gerrard. We will discuss it in next week's episode where I think we'll look at managers who... Uh, haven't really had much of a mention so far this season. We've seen the good, the bad and the ugly as well because get David Moyes is down there as well. All of a sudden, West Ham are spending peas and once again, there are concerns that David Moyes' talent ID isn't particularly wonderful. Um, but we will move, swift, we will move swiftly on even uh, onto something completely um, away from this. But there is a reason we're coming to this today. What is a football-related hill you're willing to die on? Now, Baines nearly just killed himself on top of the hill with the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer-Arteta thing, which wasn't even true. Um, so I will give you mine first, which is going to be very unpopular today. I apologise to Liverpool fans right now, but Jordan Henderson is incredibly underrated. Um, and let me elaborate. He's in this class of players that I think, if you don't play football, if you haven't played much football, you don't really understand what these sort of characters bring. So I'm going to bring it to like an example that I think everybody would understand. When you're in a classroom of 30 people in school and you're doing maths or whatever subject you're doing, there's always that one guy who when he's in class, the vibes are just better. It's just, even if he's the naughtiest kid, even if he's like the class clown, even if he's pulling chairs and you're falling over, that guy brings the vibes and that naturally brings the level up. Everyone just seems to want to reach whatever he's doing. Now, Henderson is that class, not clown, he is that class in at Liverpool. There, There is a level that he's set, whether it's in training, whether it's his leadership, whatever it is, um, he has set the bar that you have to play to his level or more so perform to his level. I wouldn't say he's the best footballer, but you have to put in as much as he puts in. The, the bare basics that people have complained United haven't put in and Arsenal haven't put in and Liverpool didn't put in against United, Henderson always provides that. I think there's this always this, this 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 weird discourse that people think he's not a very good footballer. You don't accidentally captain your country and accidentally captain a club that is actually well run. I think you can accidentally captain a team that's finishing sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. I don't want to mention a name, but Baines has got one in his mind. But we're not going to say it in case he wants to come on the pod. But I think we all know which direction we're going here. I think you can captain a team and they won't do well and you can be a bad captain. But you can't be in a very good team and captain that team for a consecutive period of time. Does anyone disagree with the Jordan Henderson shout? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely. Hey. I think he's the, the the thing is as well. There's there's more to it than nuances. Like 
a player that when you were describing that that if you don't watch ball you don't think he's a good player one of those players that comes to mind is like Sergio Busquets like he mm. never does something outrageous that will make your jaw drop like Iniesta was doing or Messi was doing but it's the simple things that are crucial to allow the other players to do things and on top of that as well Jordan Henderson is one of the best talkers on the pitch like he's pulling strings talking to uh, Trent when to go when to tuck in talking to the back line talking to the midfield and, and that's why like you said as well like these guys don't just accidentally become Champions League winning captains for one of the biggest clubs in the world um, so no it's a very rosy hill you've chosen to die on there I don't think you're going to die on it I, I can't lie I, I honestly fully believe that at least Roops would disagree with me here I, I feel like you would have been someone who doesn't rate Henderson what why no I, don't know, I, I just think he's I think there's a lot of people with an agenda against him. I have no idea why. Like, I get it at times that he doesn't perform, but like you said, the way you explained it, and it's like he sets a standard and expects everyone to meet that standard. Like, I get it, and that's what he does. He is a leader. Like, yeah, okay, he doesn't have the best performance. He's not, like, 10 out of 10, but he is a decent captain. And, I mean, look at his trophy cabinet. Look Oof. what he's won. Like he's not he's not gonna do that just alone. He has to manage his team. He has to lead them. Be- better than so... Maguire's. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do... Thank you, Dan. <laughs> do you think Liverpool still win everything they've won without him? No. No. Yeah. What, uh, what as in as in as in as in without signing uh, as in like not a sliding doors moment as in if you just take him out and rely on the rest yeah. of the squad is that yeah. yeah no no I don't think so either I think they needed his sort of mentality to be able to do what they've done the last few years I think we've seen this issue at United no where there's a where the captain doesn't perform the instructions of the manager on a pitch and I think like when you don't have that. It's a, it's a really like dying art, actually. I think like the Roy Keynes, Patrick Vieira's, I hate to go back to that era because it's such an easy thing to say, but they were like pure out and out leaders. John Terry, people who like, when you think back, John Terry wasn't the best footballer in his team. He was a very good footballer, but he wasn't the best footballer in his team. Not, I don't think at any point because they had Drogba, they had Lampard, they had Ashley Cole, but he was definitely the best leader in that team. Mm-hmm. And when he mm-hmm. wasn't quite at it or when he was out of the side, it was all a little bit here and there, similar to United with Roy Keane. Um, and I think leaders have just over the years become more and more uh, disrespected, mainly because generally speaking, the leader leader in a dressing room isn't actually your best player. I remember a time, I think it was Arsenal actually, didn't Arsenal captain Fabregas? And it was, I remember Wenger saying he does everything really well. Um, and at that time, my association to a captain was like, he don't talk though. Um, now I could have been, I could have been, I could be absolutely wrong. Wenger knows a bit more than me. Um, Baines, have you got a hill that you love to die on? Well, obviously you don't want to actually die on a hill in case <laughs> in case you think... But if you two. had to. If you I've got to. two and you lot can choose one. Manchester United oh, wow. will never win a Premier League title with David De Gea and Gore now. Okay, next and one. And my second yeah. one is I don't think any manager in world football can do what Diego Simeone's done at Atletico. Ooh. Baines. <laughs> I, I, I think we go with the first one. No, actually, no. Okay. Mm. The second Listen, one, the producer from, spoken for me. I don't okay, know. Yeah. The reason I say the second one, yeah, is because if you look at Diogo Simeone's style of football, getting players to buy into that and the fans to buy into that 
how many managers can you actually think in World Football can do that? Because the way, yeah. the way the crowd, after seeing Diego Simeone play negative football, still get behind him, still back the team, for me, is incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And plus, like, add, add his character into it. I don't think anyone can... Like, like the producers said, Klopp, innit? I meant in terms of, like, the style of play mm. and the fans having such an attachment to that style of play and the play is still playing for him. Okay. Yeah, but I'll isn't look. that what Klopp? Isn't that what Klopp's doing? No, no, I mean, I mean, in terms of like some or, a manager producing negative football kind of thing, isn't it? Because let's be honest, everyone says, yeah. "Do you give me yeah, yeah. anti-football kind of thing?" So, like, it's, uh, like you're you're saying like the mas- mastering the dark arts and still keeping fans <laughs> on side for ten plus years and still winning the big trophies and I I I, I, I have to agree. He's been at Atletico since 2011. Yeah, he's won. Mm. Two league titles, reached two Champions League um, finals. He's won the Europa League, I think, twice. I remember the I remember uh, once for sure. Yeah, once. I'm but, looking okay, at right so, now. I think he's won it in 2011, 12, and 2017-18. Oh wow! Okay, and he's oh, won yeah, La Liga wow, twice. Really yeah. But you, okay, so you said uh, about Simeone. Firstly, there's probably a little bit of a bias there because he's an Atletico Madrid legend. Anyway, there is a manager who springs to mind. And he hasn't been at one club the whole time. Jose Mourinho played negative football at various clubs, won mm. tons of trophies at every single club. Um, I think maybe, like, did he have as much of a connection to the fans? Maybe not so much. But I think there's a slight difference there that Atletico Madrid are competing with Real Madrid, right? Real Madrid are like the pinnacle of football. They're the Galacticos, they're sexy, etc., etc. You need the bad guy. And Simeone is like the bad guy. And Atletico you- are... You've nailed it. You've nailed it because if you look at Atleti's fan culture history, they've actually got this thing around them called El Pupas. And El Pupas is literally mm. this kind of self-vindicating curse that Atletico fans have put on themselves since like, um, I think it was like a 1974 European Cup final. They were like, they lost it at the, in like the dying minutes. And since then, they've always referred to themselves or felt that they were a cursed club. So it is almost like that, where they found a manager dressed in all black, ready to perfect the dark arts to get the win, mixed with a team that doesn't feel like they can win in the pure white way of, of uh, you know, like the pure white angelic way of Real Madrid. Mm. So they've got to do things the dirty way. So uh, it's, it's, it's like a perfect marriage. You've got a club and a fan base with the right negative ideology and a manager who's willing to dig deep and do the dirt, man. I think he's been... Unbelievable. And I actually don't think Jose Mourinho, if we put Jose Mourinho in those shoes at Atletico, I think Jose Mourinho's too, imagine me saying this, he's more erratic than Diego Simeone in a way that mm-hmm. he throws his toy, he throws his toys out of the pram and he's more of a man manager. Whereas I think, I think for me, uh, Simeone's like a totalitarian. He almost mm-hmm. has a, he almost has a control over the board the club, the transfers, what they eat, what they do. What, and I don't think Mourinho ever had that. I think he was more of a galvanizer. If you, if you felt like you were a 7 out of 10, he'd make you feel you were a 10 out of 10. Whereas I think Diego, Diego Simeone goes, you might be a 7, but I'm going to show you what you need to do to, to perform like a 10 out of 10. They have delivered a few 10 out of 10s at Anfield. Um I feel like Roops has switched off from this conversation because she hates Simeone. Yes. I, I, I think I've seen tweets of you saying I, I actually hate Atletico. Not me. I think I've heard, I've genuinely seen you tweet that. If I'm not yeah. wrong. Yeah. Allegedly. No, you're right. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, I'll own up to that. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you, uh, so you're from the school of angelic football. You're like the ah, oh, no, see, not angelic. Nah, man. You, that Jose, you see that Jose Mourinho masterclass for Inter at the new Camp? That doesn't happen if everyone's doing the, <laughs> if everyone's trying to play football like this. Sometimes we need a bit of, you know what I mean? You need a bit of whatever the the, the je ne sais quoi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think I just didn't like it because it was against us. I hear so, you. See, and, yeah, and that's yeah. where the cookie see? crumbles. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> uh, Dan, have you got a uh, a hill you're willing to die on? Yeah, I've got two, but I think I'll just go for one that's Premier League title race focused. Um, in the last four years, yeah. So I would say in the la- in this period that we've been watching Liverpool and City as the top two teams, they if if you got uh, Klopp and uh, Guardiola in a room on a lie detector test and you ask them the question, would you like to swap trophy cabinets? over this period of time. So Klopp win uh, four Premier Leagues out of five and Guardiola win one of everything, including the Champions League, they would take the swap. No. Yes. Pep would. Klopp would not. Surely not. Klopp, listen, you, do, you know where, do you know where you guys are heading right now? You guys are going from great Premier League team to being the team that blagged uh, Premier League during COVID. That, that, that's where you're going right now. Yeah, so, but no, no, no. don't bring COVID into this. Do not no, bring I'm COVID just saying, into this. I'm just saying, to be a great Premier League team, you cannot dish out and go, hey, guys, we won a Premier League. Uh, we won one Premier League, so that makes us a great, great Premier League team. You guys have won one of everything. You've ticked all the boxes. But I reckon if you ask Liverpool fans, what did you want? Did you want those Champions League finals and that, and that Champions League that you've won? Or would you want four Premier League titles to add to your cabinet? I think you would have taken they that. Take and equally... No, and, they take uh, yeah. the Champions League. They take the Champions League. That the one Champions League, League. one over the four Prems. Yeah. Well, it looks like we're going to die on this hill, then. I guess I'm dying on this hill, then. I kind of do agree with that, you know, because then Liverpool will have more league titles than United. And, and also, it's it's about it's about the it's about the imprint on on the Premier League. What have we always bashed Liverpool about? Liverpool have gone, we've won it five times, or now we've got. Let's talk yeah, about but, six babies. But you're saying we've Klopp? All... I don't think Klopp will want to do that. Maybe fans would. I don't think Klopp would. I think he'd rather say he's done everything. Mm, no, I mean, no, but in, in the newspapers, in the newspapers, I'm sure we go, uh, life is uh, more than football, you know, and, uh, you know, you'll never walk alone. And, and then Pep is like, you know, more than you believe, you know. But honestly, I'm telling you right now, Pep will, Pep would kill someone. If no one got to find out about it, he'd kill them on a back road for a Champions League title with City, especially yeah. after what happened last season. And I'm telling you, Liverpool fans, the club, the board, Klopp, everyone, they would want a riches of Premier Leagues to walk away with rather than just another one of these. Because if you take that away, you still got that. So that's all I'm saying. I think, you know what? I think I actually agree, you know. Initially when you said it, I was like, I don't I don't really think that I don't really think that would happen. But then when you think about what you just said there is people will look back and say Klopp had a very good time at Liverpool. And he won one of everything. But in reality, one of everything is still Champions League and Premier League. After that, I don't think you really care about Carabao and FA Cup and Community Shield. It does go mm. down on your Wikipedia. But re- it, we all know when, it, when you start mm. scrolling, you stop at that point. It's Champions League and Premier League. If he leaves with two in 
what will end up being, I think, nine and a half years or nine years, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pep leaves with four Premier Leagues, or well, by then it might be six, probably. Um, the the in in ten years' time, when kids come around to compare the two managers, they won't even compare them. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. Um, and so then I go, well, here we go. Then does Klopp go? I'd take more Premier Leagues. Part of me thinks, I think Klopp goes. Yeah, I'll take them. Because uh, because I, I I put in I put in the caveat as well that you don't need to, even though it is the highest achievement in club football you don't need to be the best team to win the Champions League like even though it's the highest honor you can win but mm. to win the Premier League you can't blag the Premier League um, you have to be the best over thirty eight games when uh, when there is at least one other team coming for your neck as well and and that's where I feel like the the quantity might be the same but the quality is very different. But the reason I put the asterisks there is Man City have done everything that Liverpool want to do. Liverpool have done that mm. one thing that City really want to do. And that's why they would take that swap. But I'm, I'm open to your I'm open to your thoughts. One thing I would definitely say is before we get Roops' hill to die on, um, <laughs> that was a very, very good sales pitch, Dan. Uh, it actually annoyed me how yeah. good that was, to be honest. Um, getting to say actually it, nearly it. swayed me, but I think I'm sticking <laughs> with what I said. Roops was like, I think I'm a City I'm... fan. <laughs> well Arsenal basically City 2.0 Roops what is your hill to die on so mine is actually not like it's not just specific to the Premier League it's kind of related to fan behaviour at football oh here we go so I would say that we need to ban these stupid signs from adults kids everywhere and asking for shirts at a game it's just ruining (laughs) The whole atmosphere and the game. I've waited a long time to be able to say something like this. But, like, honestly, I just, I hate it. It goes through me. Wow, whoops, you didn't come across as uh, evil. That, no, I love the kids. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> get the kids out of here. <laughs> get that meme. Get that meme. You know, the, the Kobe. Yeah. Is it Kobe? Yeah. No, I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah, guys, the producer has producers made a very interesting point here, which might explain why Rupert feels this way. I, he, no, no, like, no, no. Just... I did. I never had a shirt, a, a sign, as a kid to get a shirt. Although I did try it as an adult on my phone and it didn't work. So yeah, maybe I am a bit sour. Writing the truth out in the end. Rightio. Anyway, let's hop over to our no rating shout out of the week. This is essentially someone who stood out but didn't get the plaudits. Um, I've been left scratching my head throughout this entire pod at some of the takes from Roops. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm, I need to figure a lot of things out. Uh, so I'm hoping in this take, it's not hair related, it's not sign related, it's not Nico Williams related, um, and hopefully oh. it's not Liverpool finishing <laughs> fifth related. Um, Benj, we'll start with you. Have you got a shout out of this week? Oh, this is tough, this is tough. Because I want to sound biased, isn't it? So I have to give a shout out to my, my boy Malasio. Oof. Oof, Why? crazy he's taking, vibes. He's taken Shorberto Carlos' place in that left-hand side. He's performing to a very good level that I'm happy with for someone coming into a new country. And they're calling the pit bull for a reason. His tenacity. Can't hate it. He smile. Oh, you see his smile. Oh, my days. I swear to God, he has one of the most infectious smiles you can have. And I guarantee I you, he's going to continue Aww. to ball out to a very, very high level this season. 
I, I would like to confirm that Baines was not joking. Uh, Taro Malassia has got an exceptional smile. Thank it is, you. I don't know about infectious, but it's definitely the largest jaw stroke, teeth stroke, gum stroke, lip size of ever Wayne seen. Aldum's, though. Wijnaldum's was just, you know. Oh, Wijnaldum had a sweet boy smile, didn't it? Like he, yeah. he wouldn't, you wouldn't, he wouldn't look good looking just at face value. But when he smiled, I was getting like two thousand and three R and B vibes from <laughs> Genie Wijnaldum. He was, he was a sweet one. Yeah, I don't think this is quite that. Um, yeah, no, it's not. Oh, <laughs> listen, <laughs> let, me, let me explain this here. You need to understand. Oh. Malasia came in into a dire situation at this club, and I just see this guy <laughs> smiling like that. How can you not love him? I hate you. Yeah, the uh, the tooth to gum to to jaw ratio wasn't the one for me. I feel like Genie's is a bit more balanced. But I mean, if you like yeah. it, you like it. I, I'm not discriminating towards anyone's uh, smile. Uh, Dan, have you got a no rating shout out yet? <laughs> uh, yes, I have got a shout out because I remember when I saw the the prem highlights, I was really impressed with how Shay Adams uh, did the double against Leicester. I feel like he's always been one of those strikers that on his finest day we call a handful without really getting on the end of it and finishing off chances so um i think shea adams is going to actually have a great season and uh, i think he had a banger of a week so definitely deserves a shout um and yeah and maybe united could look into uh, reinforcing their striking ranks with shea adams all right man calm <laughs> I think that needless swipe at the end is exactly where we need to end this up. It is, it is, it's been very nice the whole way through, but I like the needless swipe at the end. Well, getting ready. When we, when we play Arsenal, I'm coming for it now. <laughs> this is getting personal now. <laughs> I will save this clip for that episode. I will also save the clip where you both start biting at each other because game week six is going to be massive. And we will bring it back to, to the episode that we do on game week six. Uh, for those of you that are listening, don't get anywhere just yet. We've introduced this new feature called Icebreaker. Terrible name, I know. Blame the producers, not me. We'll think of a better name. But essentially, it's a question for you guys on socials, on Twitter uh, or Instagram or TikTok or whatever platform you decide to to use. We have a question for you, and then we will talk about it in the next episode. So make sure you go off and vote, and then we can have the discussion properly. If you're a footballer, would you rather win a Champions League with your club side or the World Cup with your country? Go ahead. Have a conversation on socials. We'll see you on next week's episode where we'll discuss it at a lot of length. Uh, that is all we have time for today. It has been an exceptional, exceptional episode. We've seen some tears. Not quite. We've seen a very, very happy Baines. Uh, probably the happiest I've ever seen him. And I've only known him for a couple of years. Uh, and we've seen Dan <laughs> drop accents, various different languages, uh, a lot of impressions, a man of multiple talents. He's got a globe sat behind him as well. So he clearly is a very <laughs> intelligent man. Uh, for those of you listening, make sure you subscribe if you're new here or follow or whatever it is that your very good podcast software allows you to do. And make sure you drop five stars as well. It's absolutely crucial so that on our 100th episode, we can celebrate being top of the table. And we will see you on next week's episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 